Good to be back with you. For those of you that don't know, uh, just returning from two weeks of vacation. First week, Lynn and I were in the mountains. We rented ourselves this gorgeous little mountain cabin. And, and then the second week, I took an additional week just so that I could go fishing. And i got to be honest with you, I fished like a maniac. And it was great. I'd planned on continuing our sermon series today, but uh, what we're going to do is pick up with a series next Sunday. I feel like I've got something else that I've got to share with you today. As I started preparing for this morning, uh, I had some thoughts running through my mind, and as the week progressed, I realized those thoughts are the thoughts that I need to share with you today. So this morning, I'm going to share a sermon with you entitled, Getting the Most from Your Vacation. (laughs) Now, after all, it's vacation season, right? Somewhere in between Memorial Day and Labor Day, it is very likely that you're going to go on your vacation. Now, I want you to know as your pastor, that's exactly what I want you to do. You've earned it. You've deserved it. You need it. And not only do I want you to go on your vacation, I want you to get the most from your vacation. I did. I got the most from my time off. And some of you may be asking, Ronnie, what does that mean, get the most from your vacation? If we get the most from a vacation, we'll return return to our normal Everyday lives refreshed, revitalized, and renewed. However, if we fail to get the most from our vacation, we may return to our everyday, normal lives burned out, broke, and backslidden. Now, what do you want? You don't know how to get the most of your vacation? Let me tell you how. I want you to read three verses of me from from the New Testament book of Mark, chapter number 6, beginning with verse number 30, and let me set the stage and tell you what's happening. Jesus has sent his 12 disciples on a mission trip. And so they've been out, they've been teaching, and they've been preaching. They've been in conflict with the forces of evil. They've been casting out demons They've been up to their necks trying to help people, you know, get through their darkest times. They've been healing the sick, and and this mission trip is over, and they return to Jesus. And that's where we pick up on the story, and I want you to read this with me. Verse number 30, Mark chapter 6. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, that is great, but there's so much more work to do. I want you guys to work overtime and see if you can get more done. Now, wait a minute. Is that the way your translation read? Look what Jesus said. He said, guys, here's the deal. Here's what I want for you now. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place, and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat, so they're left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. 
know what Jesus said to him? I think you guys need a break. I think you need to unplug for a little bit. I want you to rest. You know what that word means? It means be, I want you to be refreshed. I want you to be refreshed physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I want you to be refreshed through eating. I want you to be refreshed through recreation. I want you to be refreshed through rest. I want you to be refreshed through spiritual activities. That's what I want. What do we learn? You know, as I share, as we read that, what is it I'm hoping that you learn from those three verses? This plain and simple. Jesus wants you to take a vacation. That's it. And you know what? Now, I fully anticipated as I prepared this week and went over that statement. I figured when I said that, this place would ring out with amens and hallelujahs. Great man. It's the best sermon I've ever heard him preach. Maybe the best sermon I've ever heard anybody preach. When's the last time you went to church? And the lesson in the text was, Jesus wants you to take a vacation. I want you to understand something. Vacation is God's idea. God set an example for us during the creation week. He worked six days, and then he took a vacation day. He made it mandatory that the Israelites would take a vacation day every week. Now, you got to be, I know what you're thinking. This sermon is getting better as he goes. He made it mandatory they take a vacation day every week and... He required every Jewish household, in addition to a vacation day a week, to take two full weeks of vacation and a weekend of vacation every calendar year. He made them do it. So you know what I'm assuming? That's got to be the bare bones minimum, right? A vacation day every week, two weeks of full vacation every calendar year, and a weekend just as a bonus. The vacation day was called the Sabbath. The Sabbath weeks were called festivals or feasts. God made vacations a legal requirement for his people. You know why? Let me read you a verse. Mark chapter 2. Matter of fact, read it with me. It's going to be on the screen. It's Mark chapter 2 verse 27. Listen to this. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. God created these Sabbaths or vacations in order to meet our needs. You see, God understands that life takes a toll on us. Each week, we expend great amounts of energy. Mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. As servants of Christ, as parents, grandparents, as a spouse, as employees, we give and we give and we give some more. God understands that if we're going to be fruitful over the course of our entire life, we're going to have to pause occasionally and let Him put something back. That's what Sabbaths or vacations are all about. Vacations are a time to be restored. Vacations are a time to recover from all the work that we've done and rebound and prepare ourselves for all the work 
that's yet to be done. Jesus is all for you taking your vacation. Amen. Amen. See here, I'm getting some enthusiasm already. So in light of that, what, what do I suggest that you do? I suggest that you let Jesus plan your vacations. Now, I know what you just thought. Oh, come on. You know, Ronnie, really, I think it's the right thing to do. Listen to this. Mark chapter 2, verse 28. Jesus said, so the Son of Man is Lord. In other words, Jesus says, I'm in charge. And look at this. Even over the Sabbath. Did you see that? Jesus isn't only Lord over our work weeks. Jesus is Lord over our vacations. Our vacation days and weeks belong to Jesus just as much as any other day or week. Therefore, I think Jesus ought to be allowed to plan our vacations. That's exactly what he did for these disciples. They didn't ask for time off, did they? Jesus took the initiative and led them to take their vacation. And apparently, he even planned their vacation. And I believe, honestly, guys, the key to getting the most from our vacation is to let Jesus plan it. Now, as a vacation planner, I believe that Jesus is going to encourage you to take at least six steps. And I'm going to share those steps with you. You ready? Step number one, get away. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus encouraged his disciples to come away. He wanted them to experience a change in scenery. I think that's the first thing Jesus would always tell us to do at vacation time. Get away. Go someplace. See something new. Change your surroundings. Don't try to take your vacation week sitting at the house. If you do, I know what you're going to do. You're going to end up working. Or you're going to end up battling interruptions and intrusions all week long because somebody's coming or somebody's calling and they're going to want something from you. I'm not trying to be selfish. I'm trying to tell you how to get the most from your vacation. Get away from the house. Because a change of scenery can be so mentally refreshing. For about a decade, my family and I took an annual vacation to Ocean Isle, North Carolina. We'd always leave the last week of May... And by the time the end of May came, we were exhausted, we were burned out, and we were desperate for a break. And we would drive all the way across the state with kids in the back seat. And, of course, you know what a blessing that can be. And we would get to the bridge, this high-arching bridge that went over the intercoastal waterway. And as you would crest the arch of that bridge, you could see the Atlantic Ocean. And I tell you, the minute I saw it, I could feel the stress drop off of my shoulders. What kind of place should we escape to? Well, according to Jesus, preferably it ought to be a quiet place. That phrase means literally an uninhabited wilderness. I'm not making that up. That doesn't sound like Myrtle Beach or Gatlinburg to me. However, if long lines... Big crowds and traffic jams revitalize you, and you have at it. 
Lynn and I love to escape to quiet places where we're surrounded by God's beauty. And I know, listen, if you've got kids and you're vacationing with the kids and you go to the places Lynn and I go to, they're going to be bored to tears. So I see some value in a place like Myrtle Beach or Gatlinburg or Pigeon Forge. Some of you are asking, Ronnie, I don't know how we'd do this. I don't know how we could afford a place to get away for the night. Can I tell you how Lynn and I did it? We sacrificed. Financially, we chose to sacrifice in other areas so that we could afford to do this because, Tom, we didn't see it as a luxury. I'm telling you, it was a necessity. If you, can't, if you just can't possibly rent a place to get over tonight, you know, take great day trips. Lynn and I have mastered the art of the day trip. Yesterday, I'll tell you what we did. We packed the grill, you know, we loaded the cooler down, and we struck out for the Blue Ridge Parkway. We, we found ourselves a wonderful place to just pull over on the side of the road. Matter of fact, I think we're at like 5,600 feet elevation. It was 62 degrees in the sunshine. We had a great meal. We loafed around. We got home late yesterday evening. And even though we'd only been gone from the house several hours, when we got back, I was so refreshed, it felt like we had been gone a week. Man, get creative. Find ways. Just get away from the house. The second thing Jesus would tell you to do is have loads of fun. You know know why some of you cringed a while ago when I said, let Jesus plan your vacation? You think Jesus is against fun. Man, if Jesus plans a vacation, it's going to be so boring and dry. You know, Jesus wanted these guys to rest a while. The word means to be refreshed through leisurely activities. Jesus was encouraging these men to have some fun during their vacation. The Jewish Sabbaths were described in the Bible as delightful times that were filled with gladness. What is it you like to do? Read, hike. Shop. I'm sorry. Well, nobody here spends any money. That's great. You ought to be able to afford vacations. Nobody shops. You like to fish, like to hunt, like to take pictures. Whatever it is you like to do, as long as it's neither immoral or illegal, do it. And do lots of it while you're on vacation. You know what recreation does for us? It allows our mind to rest. Third thing Jesus would tell you to do, get some rest. Jesus' disciples had been working hard, and there were still a lot of people with a whole lot of needs. You know what Jesus told his men? Stop. Don't work. The word Sabbath means literally to cease working. You're probably familiar with the Ten Commandments, right? Y'all familiar with the Ten Commandments? You ever heard of those? Kind of familiar with what they are? Well, this morning, I want to give you the 11th commandment. You ready? And this is the one that a lot of people are not familiar with. I'm going to give you the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not work on your vacation. Yes, sir. Rest. Don't even overdo it with recreation. Build in time for rest. Sleep late, start slow, and go take a nap. Be worthless and don't feel guilty about that. It's okay. As a matter of fact, it's biblical. Number four. Now, you know what you're thinking? This sermon is building. It's getting better. It's about to get really good. Number four. Fourth thing Jesus would tell you to do is he's planning your vacation. He'd tell you, blow your diet. 
Come on now. Come on. Huh? Blow it. Jesus wanted these men to eat. As a matter of fact, it appears to be a big part of his itinerary. The two weeks and the one weekend of vacation the Israelites had to take were described as feast. God encouraged his people to eat foods they would normally never eat and eat more than they would normally eat while they were on vacation. Are you ready for the 12th commandment? You ready? While on vacation, thou shalt blow thine diet. You got it? You know, most of us really need to make some lifestyle changes in regard to diet and exercise. I know and I understand that. But don't start on vacation. Man, don't sit around a campfire with a piece of celery nibbling it. Looking at everybody going, this is great. Isn't this great? It's not great. Throw that in the fire. Go get you some Hershey bars, some marshmallows, and some graham crackers and make s'mores. Now that's great. You know, don't go to your favorite restaurant at Pigeon Forge and sheepishly look at the server and go, can you broil me a chicken breast and maybe bring me a potato peeling? This is what you say. You say, fry that chicken. Fry the taters that were in that peeling and smother the thing in gravy. I'm on vacation. (laughs) Eat. Eat what you want as much as you want. You can always come home and we could and should eat right when we get back. And hey, guys, if your wife scolds you when you're preparing that third grilled hamburger, she gives you that look like, here's what you say. I'm just doing what the man of God told me to do. (laughs) It's time for me to start applying those sermons around he preaches. Number five, this is what Jesus is going to tell you to do. Be patient with people. You know, Jesus wanted these disciples to have some quiet, alone time with him. He told them when you leave, leave privately, hopefully so no one can see you and follow you. Wouldn't you know it? Somebody saw him. Somebody followed him. You've probably read this story and you know that. Lots of people showed up. Each one clamoring for Jesus' time and attention. It seemed like people were going to ruin the disciples' vacation. How did Jesus react to those people? Well, he chewed them out. He let them know. This is sacred time for me and my boys here. And you show up messing everything up? Have you read the story? That's not how he reacted. He was patient with the people. Some of you are headed to Myrtle Beach or Gatlinburg hoping to get some peace and quiet. Really? I mean, really. There are people there. Lots of people there. And some of those people are jerks. There are. There are jerks everywhere. So they're in Gatlinburg. They're at Myrtle Beach. Somebody's going to fire up the leaf blower at daylight right under your condo window. The, the motel room above you, those folks are going to have six young'uns who use both of those mattresses like a trampoline all night long. Inevitably, a server is going to get your order wrong, and they're going to show up with your entree just as everybody else is finishing their meal. 
hey, if you try to get from Cherokee to Gatlinburg, you are going to get behind a Winnebago. I'm telling you now, that is going to happen. As you wait for what seems like an eternity to see the summer's hottest movie, someone is going to break in line in front of you. One of these days, with miles of open beach to choose from, somebody's going to throw their blanket down right next to you and start listening to their Miley Cyrus CD at full volume. Or it could be worse, they could be listening to their Billy Ray Cyrus CD at full volume. And if you're not careful, people are going to keep you from getting the most from your vacation. Don't let that happen. Be patient with people. Now, I've got to tell you a story, okay? It's a fishing story told by a fisherman. Now, are you skilled, are you experienced at listening to fishermen tell fishing stories? Now, you have to be very careful. You have to be very discerning so that you pick up on what is truth and what is exaggeration. So this morning, as I tell the story, I want to help you hone those skills. So as I'm telling the story, and you suspect I'm exaggerating, I want you to buzz me. You know what I mean by that? Just like on the game shows. Now, everybody, let me hear your best buzz. Everybody practice. Good. Now, if it's truth, I'm just going to continue talking. It's exaggeration. I'll go to the truth. Thursday, my vacation, I had an idea. I'm going to go to Woodall Shows on the Chattooga River and fish. It's a weekday. I'm assuming I'll have the river to myself. I get there, and there are probably about 2,000 people there. About 50 people were there. So I took a little fisherman's trail, and I went upstream. I came out above the swimming area, and there was the beautiful, wild and scenic Chattooga River. I had it all to myself, stripped out a little fly line, made my first cast, and caught a fish on the first cast. You doubt my fishing prowess. <laughs> I continued to cast, and I got to tell you, I was catching fish like crazy. I caught two more. <laughs> I'm working my way downstream to one of my favorite stretches. I see two fishermen come down the trail, and they get in the river. Now, there's an unwritten code about stream fishing that says this. If you're fishing a stream and you come up on another fisherman, you do one of two things. You either go the other way. If I'm going upstream, you go down. If I'm going down, you go up. If you can't do that, you take a wide berth around the fishermen, giving them ample undisturbed water for them to fish. Well, immediately I picked up on this. These men don't know the code. They just keep, they keep coming to me. I keep moving up. I'm, hey, I'm trying to be a Christian. They're coming up. I go up. But after a while, they're getting really close, and I'm getting really angry. So I thought, well, I'll tell you what's going to have to happen here. I'll tell you what's going to go down. I'm about to pull those two jack legs over here on this rock, and I'm going to teach them stream etiquette. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, that's true. These boys need an education if they're going to do any more of this fishing. So next thing I know, one of the fishermen is he's standing on a rock. I'm standing on a rock, and there's a braid of the river that's going in between us. So I thought, okay. So I took my fly rod, and I made a perfect cast unfolding about 100 feet of fly line with laser-like precision. 
I barely managed enough to get enough line to get the fly on the water. <laughs> I let it drift down to this, kind of sending a little signal. You know, man, I'm trying to fish here. Well, as the fly gets close to the rock he's standing on, this fish came out from under that rock that was as big as a log. It's a little bigger than average. Fish showed some interest in my fly, so I paused for just a second. The fish took it. I set the hook, and that fish comes skyrocketing out of the water, and it looked just like a salmon. Looked like a hatchery trout. This guy, he sees the fish. He turns to his buddy, and he's going, Dude! Dude, do you see this fish? Man, the fish continues to jump. It's a spirited fight. I get it up. I, get, I lean down in the water. I get it in my hand. I'm going to pop the fly out of its mouth. All of a sudden, this shadow comes over me. I look up, and there's this guy going, Dude, are you Brad Pitt? <laughs> Exaggeration. He said, dude, that's a nice fish. You know what? You're going to compliment me. That's a better compliment. Dude, that's a nice fish. And he turns to his buddy and he's going, Angelo, Angelo, come up here. Within minutes, there's Angelo. There's my new fishing buddy. And here's me. And we're drifting our flies right through the same little patch of water. And the guy looks at me and he says, dude, are we crowding you? I thought, okay, if I've ever known an educational opportunity, this is it. This is what I wanted to say. This is what came into my mind. I want to say, well, seeing as there's only 40 miles of the Chattooga River in the state of South Carolina, and there are three grown men standing on a rock the size of a Volkswagen, what do you think? (laughs) Just as it's starting out, this voice says, don't do that. Don't make this day about, about a verbal altercation with these two guys. So you know what I said? You know how I answered this question? I said, nah. Patrick, I shared some of my tackle with them. I tried to show them. I really wanted them to catch fish. I tried to show them how to catch a fish. And when I saw that it was hopeless... I slipped down off that rock and began to go downstream and continued to catch fish like crazy. Caught two more. Now listen to me. Somebody is going to disengage their brain. And they're going to encroach your space. Somebody is going to be very inconsiderate to you on vacation. Now you can choose to make that the highlight of your vacation. And talk about it for years to come, how rude he was. Or be patient with him and let it go. Step number six. This is by far the most important thing Jesus would tell you as he's helping you plan your vacation. Take me with you. Jesus wanted these men to take time off so they could be alone with him. Did you catch that in the verses we read? Jesus wanted them to rest, sleep late, take naps. Jesus wanted them to eat, enjoy their food. Jesus wanted them to, to you know, have some fun. But more importantly, Jesus wanted these men to reconnect with him. He wanted to renew them spiritually. 
primary reason that God gave the Israelites a weekly vacation day and two vacation weeks and a vacation weekend per year was to give them ample opportunity to reconnect with Him. Guys, if you miss everything else, don't miss this. The primary purpose of vacation is spiritual renewal. Vacation is our opportunity to reconnect with Jesus. Unfortunately, in our culture, we often strike out on vacation and leave Jesus home alone. Somehow we've interpreted the vacation not only means time away from work, but time away from Jesus. And I'm telling you, nothing could be further from the truth. If we're going to, make the, if we're going to get the most from our vacation, Jesus has got to be included in our plans. We've got to make time for him. I mean, you think about it. On an average vacation week, we've eliminated 40 hours of work from our schedule. Surely, we created some time for him. I'm not saying that you ought to hold up in your beach house and have Bible studies all day. But neither should we ignore Jesus all week long. Neglect Jesus and you'll just never get the most from your vacation. You could come back physically, emotionally, and mentally renewed. But the magic of a vacation is not complete until you've been spiritually renewed. Lynn and I rented one of the coolest cabins I've ever seen. It was remote. You had to go down a winding, twisting tar and gravel road. It ended, it turned to gravel. You had to go way down this gravel road. You turned off of that. You go down another gravel road. And then if, if you looked carefully, you would see the road descending down the side of the bank. You dropped off and you came to this rock bridge over this bold stream. You go across the bridge and across the stream and you look up and there sat this cabin. It was old. But man, it was charming. And when you got up, the, the, you know, the, the cabin was surrounded on three sides by these tall mountains. And the owner had landscaped this yard beautifully. And all the mountain laurel was in full bloom. There was a path, if you, if you look, there was a path leading out of the yard. And if you follow the path, you came to this viewing area with this cool bench. And you were sitting at the base of a waterfall. Had a big porch across the front of the house. And, and, and when you sat on that porch, you couldn't help but hear that creek and hear that waterfall. Now, the way it works for Lynn on vacation is she's going to sleep late. And I have learned that if I tamper with that, you're going to describe me with a word, and that is single. <laughs> My idea of vacation is rising early. So you know what I would do every morning? Just in the dim light of dawn, I would walk out on that porch with my Bible and a cup of coffee. Unhurried, uninterrupted meetings every morning with Jesus. Every morning. Now, the second week I fished, there were a couple of mornings Jonathan and I were on the water six-ish. That's kind of early. Each of those mornings, I got up early enough that I could meet Jesus before I met Jonathan. One morning, I got up at 3 o'clock on purpose. I was in my trucking on the road at 345, and I drove 110 miles one way to the Nantahala River. You know what I did en route? I listened to six sermons 
by Tony Evans. I tell you, by the time I parked the truck and got out, I, I was in a state of revival. I was ready to charge hell with a water pistol. I want to tell you something. If I'd left all those meetings with Jesus out, I think I'd have had a good vacation. I was with my wife, and you just can't beat that. I was with my family. I spent time with my friends. And dang it, I went fishing a whole lot. And I caught all kinds of fish, lots of fish. That's the truth. It would have been a good vacation without all those meetings. But you know what? What happened between me and Jesus made it a great vacation. I'm learning the difference between a good vacation and a great one is Jesus. If you want to get the most from your next vacation, let Jesus plan it. Well, you're my late crowd because I'm going to say something I didn't have time to say to the first crowd, okay? So where'd this come from, Ronnie? I mean, we're just thought of this sermon. Well, thing I guess, mainly, this is what God was talking to me about those two weeks. Learning to go at a pace rather than always wide open. I came here Monday. I walked in. Nobody, nobody worked Monday, I don't think, but me. And I came here, and, and this building was empty. And I walked in the auditorium and began to pray. This is the first thing that came out of my mouth in my prayer. God, I do not want us to just endure the summer at Golden Corner Church. I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Most churches just endure. Up until after left, you just endure. They don't make any progress. As a matter of fact, they lose the progress they've made. I prayed and I said, God, I don't want us to do that. However, I, I don't want these people of my church to miss out on what I experienced the last two weeks. I want them to have their vacation, and I want them to get the most from it. And this is what I felt like he said to me. Then teach them. Teach them how to get the most out of the vacation so they don't show back up at this church the Sunday after Labor Day spiritually dead. Our vacations should propel us forward spiritually, not set us back spiritually. We just have to learn how to get the most out of one. Let's pray together. Father, I guess the thing that just keeps coming back to my mind is is how much you care about us and how well you understand us. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that you're not a slave driver, but that you're a loving, compassionate, gracious, and merciful God. Help us to listen to you, follow your direction. God, you know when the breaks need to come. You you know how long they need to last. You know the steps we need to take so that we experience renewal. That's my prayer for going to church. It's my prayer for every person sitting here this morning, God. Is that the summer of 2015, 
be a time of spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional refreshing. Work among us. Work in us. Work through us. Do what you alone can do, God. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. You're dismissed. You go, take it easy.